0: The following podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It does not reflect the views or opinions of my university or its affiliates. Hello, everyone, and as always, welcome to the Sister Wives Professor. That's me. I'm Dr. Adam, a professor of interpersonal and family communication and a follower of the TLC series Sister Wives, and that's what I'm here to talk about specifically. Season two, episode five, titled Wife Three Hits Sin City. Thank you as always to everyone who has followed or liked or both <laughs> the podcast on Facebook at the Sister Wives Professor, and special shout out to all my patrons on patreon.com/slash the Sister Wives Professor. Those of you subscribed at the doctorate level recently got to listen to my analysis of the first ever episode of Welcome to Plathville, so season one, episode one. I'd never seen it before, analyzing it and reviewing it for Patreon, and I had some things to say. (laughs) That was a journey, and I look forward to, to digging more into that show. Anyway, we're here to talk about sister wives, aren't we? So why don't we do that? Opening exterior shot of the Brown family home with lots of snow on the ground, And also, I noticed lots of footprints in the snow from, I'm sure, all the brown kids playing outside when they come home from school, so on and so forth. Just hundreds of footprints all over the place on the yard really give a sense of all the activity and the vibrance that goes on outside of the brown home with all those kids. Christine is putting away some groceries in her apartment, and there are a number of Christmas decorations all around the windowsill, also on the counter. Also, a pineapple. Nice. I love pineapple. You ever just cut up a pineapple with your breakfast? Highly recommend it. A little acidic, though, so keep that in mind. (laughs) It's just a pro tip from me. I don't know. Cody's packing more of his uh, House of Stark button-down shirts for when you need to be business casual and still king of the north. Says he's taking Christine to Vegas mostly because they just need a trip away and says that they wanted to have a trip with her kids, and he calls them her kids. I've mentioned this before, but it always stands out to me when Cody refers to a certain wife's kids. It's never like their kids, not Christine and I's kids or Christine and my kids. It's always like theirs. I, I get I get why. I get the distinction. I, I'm not saying that this is even particularly telling, but it just sounds a little weird to my ear. I don't know if you feel that way or not. Cody, as he's saying this, does sound a little bit preoccupied. I think he's just focusing in large part on packing as he's speaking. On the couch, Christine with some bangs and like a high bun. Her hair, quite flattering, by the way. The wives tend to take themselves to task for their hairstyles when they do the lookbacks and the tell-alls and things like that. But I thought that Christine's hair looked looked great. Really, you know, she, it was very flattering, I thought. She's got this fun, broad, open grin, closed teeth saying she loves Vegas, and then swings her head to look at Cody with a lot of excitement. Cody says Vegas is close. And he looks at Christine, who with the same elated grin, she says, and she loves it. And he points, emphasizing by looking down while still at the camera in seriousness, saying it's exciting. And Christine, same smile, but at the camera says, and I love Vegas. And Cody finally still pointing says, and it's inexpensive. And Christine says, and I love it. (laughs) She seems very, very happy. Maybe like the happiest outwardly that I have seen her on the show so far. Part of that is happiness about the Vegas trip. And I also think Christine is just getting more comfortable in front of the camera, to be honest. Back to Cody packing his shirts, all lovingly adorned for him to embark on the great hunt with Matt Cawthon. It seems, just uh, avoid any bejeweled daggers, Cody. So, someone asked me to. Someone asked me to please explain my references. That's a Wheel of Time reference. That's all. No, no big deal. Just I'm a nerd. If y'all don't know I'm a nerd by now, I don't know what to tell you. Cody points out that it's snowing in Lehigh, and they actually quick cut to some footage of the Brown kids throwing snowballs in the yard. Christine on the couch with Cody talks about the importance of doing things with just their kids, even says that, yes, they have a big family, but they also have individual separate families. And the word separate surprised me here because as recently as last episode, they were really emphasizing how they're blended. They're one big family. The blending is done. You know, that that's been talked about so much. This kind of reminded me, by the way, of a theory called family systems theory. Now, systems theory can be applied to organizations and and all kinds of other things, but it also is used to look at families. And it's a big, messy theory, so I won't go into it too much. But one of the tenets is that a system is a whole in and of itself. So the Brown, the entirety of the Brown family is its own one big thing. And then there are subsystems within that system. And the Brown family is such a great illustration of that because they have one big, theoretically, Unified family, but also the smaller family units in between. And then you break it down even further to individual dyadic relationships, right? Person to person, Cody and each wife, sibling and different moms, sibling to sibling, wife to wife, all these different interpersonal relationships. I could do a whole big podcast just on family systems theory and the Brown family, but today is not that day. Back at the big house, Cody shouting, let's go, let's go. Cody loves to yell at people to try to get them ready. And Christine is actually doing the work of getting the kids ready. I see more Christmas decorations in the house. Leon very sweetly is saying goodbye to everyone outside, although they seem to be very, very cold. They're pulling their hoodie tighter. Seems pretty bitter cold outside on this day. Kind of like outside here, to be honest. Mary outside is well, holding a pile of clothes. Cody says that if she wants, she can take a suit to the dry cleaners for him, which is a very generous offer. Mary Riley says she loves him, but she's not going to mess with the dry cleaners this weekend. So good for you, Mary. Assert yourself. Good stuff. Cody playfully repeats this in mock confusion. You're you're not going to go to the dry cleaner. and he, He gives Mary a kiss, I think, to show that he's not serious. He doesn't really expect her to do this and that he's not really upset about it. And Mary says that she has too much partying to do. This was an interesting dynamic. I don't think Cody was entirely joking when he asked her, or not even asked her, but suggested that she could go to the dry cleaner. I do think he wanted to show that he wasn't bothered, that she's not going to do it. And Mary, I don't know, maybe a little bit on some level. I don't know I don't know if jealous is the word, but having some sort of mixed emotions about Cody leaving with Christine and their kids. It, it could be. If so, I don't blame her. And if so, she handled it, I think, in a perfectly appropriate way. It wasn't the overt passive aggression, if that's a thing, that the Brown family is kind of known for, in my opinion. Mary, Janelle, and Robin are on the couch. As Mary says, Christine needed that time away And Robin again, like nodding in affirmation, Robin seems to really verbally and non-verbally want to be a part of the discourse, a part of just about any discussion that's going on about the family needs or the family identity. Robin, I really think, is still trying to assert herself and still trying to plant a flag as being just as much a part of the Brown family as possible, actively rather than letting that happen naturally. Janelle, for her part, seeming very at ease is just impassive and listening, not even really reacting. You can contrast that so clearly, right, because Janelle feels completely at peace with her place in the family, so she doesn't feel the need to, like I said, verbally or non-verbally, affirm or, or chime in on every single thing that's said, because she feels that she has earned her place. It's just an interesting contrast that maybe you don't see unless you really look for it. Mary looks quite happy, saying she was glad to have a weekend of freedom, and Robin smiles very widely at Mary and nods even more enthusiastically. Robin, and I don't say this to be mean, Robin is giving off like kid sibling vibes here. You know, when the younger sibling is just kind of following the older sibling around and sort of trying to interject themselves into the situation. Wanting so much to be involved, so much to be accepted. I say this as the youngest sibling in my family, by the way. So any younger siblings, like I'm saying this more about myself than you. Mary Outside again at the sports car says, When the cat's away, the dog will play? So close. She corrects herself, though, says the mice will play. and she. This was kind of funny. She sort of shakes her head at herself, says, anyway, when he's gone, I'm playing and I can take his car. I thought that was pretty funny. Nice little bit of self-awareness with Mary without over-apologizing or, you know what I mean, acknowledging she said something wrong, goes, whatever, I get to take his car. Cody on the couch with Christine again tellingly has his arm around her and she says that she was the last wife, was the last wife for 16 years. I talked about this in a deep dive on Patreon, so I won't repeat it too much here, but this was a central part of Christine's identity that she lost. She was the completing wife of the family, and now she's not. She even shakes her head dismissively, though, saying how ridiculous she found it when other women would complain about a new wife coming into the family. However, when Cody courted Robin, and she gestures towards herself almost in like a fanning motion and then sort of makes a motion like cutting with her open palms, says she felt threatened. Cody's watching Christine very intently as she says this. She says she felt insecure, not special, and it shocked her that Cody felt he had to get married again. This is her describing role loss, the loss of identity. It's very traumatic. This is not an easy thing for people to deal with, and I think everybody's been through this in some way, probably not this exact way. She says she wasn't enough suddenly, and she mourned what she knew. that very. By the way, impressive introspection and honesty about Christine. You notice she's not blaming Robin. She's not attacking Cody. She's not attacking anyone. She's actually admitting that she didn't used to have the right amount of perspective for other women. She's being quite mature about this. Christine, Cody, and the kids are in their vehicle now as Christine talks again about her excitement about the trip. Cody on the couch pauses in thought before saying they needed to move themselves. And he gestures to accent this, says, Move away from the whole thing with the investigation and He pauses and starts to stumble over his words because this is not something he's comfortable with. He says, that's stuff. Janelle's on the couch now saying Christine needed it. She just had a baby. And Robin breaks in saying, yeah, in affirmation quite loudly. Janelle looks at Robin speaking to her and Robin actually tries to break in and speak over Janelle, but Janelle does not allow it. She just keeps speaking because she hadn't finished her thought. Janelle sounds quite serious. as She says to Robin and Mary, maybe they feel the same way, but... Christine's life is absorbed into hers, meaning that Christine is this really vital, important part of Janelle's life. And she says when Christine is gone, her whole life falls apart. And she even frowns in mock confusion, asking rhetorically, Savannah needs to have her hair combed before school? Now, of course, Janelle knows this, but she's just trying to illustrate how vital Christine is to not just her life, but the functioning day-to-day of her own children. Robin says that truly has been a big change for Christine and half says, half asks, when you're older? And frowns questioningly at Janelle that it's hard to have, you know, babies? This really didn't need to be said at all. It certainly didn't need to be said in the way that Robin chose to say it. I don't know if this, on some level, was Robin, I don't want to say lashing out, but reacting to being sort of overridden. Focally by Janelle. This could have been anywhere from just a lapse in judgment to her being passive-aggressive and nasty. You'll have to decide for yourself. I just feel like this was weird. This felt it felt mean. And if it wasn't meant to be, at the very least, this was not a thoughtful choice she made. In the car, Isabel asked Christine, when are we gonna be there? Because that is the perennial question of kids on road trips. I don't know. I used to ask that, so I never get mad about it. Not outwardly. Christine lifts her sunglasses onto the top of her head and says, in many, many hours, which is the classic response coded with, don't ask me this again. (laughs) Christine says to the kids, a few things to establish. Know what game? Absolutely know what game? I don't know what this meant. Can you tell me? Does anybody know? Cody then asks what? and Christine looks at him and smiles in amusement. Back on the couch, Cody looks kind of aloof and silly as Christine is making a chopping motion, saying she gives ultimatums. Cody laughs and leans into her as a show of fondness, and they start to agree on how flying is prohibitively expensive for trips. Says they have to drive everywhere they go, and Cody quite logically points out that $300 a ticket, you know, driving is 500 to $600 versus around $2,000 per trip. There you go. Makes sense to me. Cody says Vegas isn't too far. It's not too close. Y'all are going to be making that drive again before you know it. He says it lets them get into the groove of travel, and Christine nods in agreement with this. Says he hears the kids screaming in the back, a lot going on. He doesn't sound annoyed, though, by this or anything. He's just recounting that this is a thing that happens. Now we see Robin, Mary, and Janelle rolling up to Paradise Bakery and Cafe in what looks like kind of a strip mall-type area. Bakery established in 1976, but a quick Google search told me it's now permanently closed. I have to stop doing this. I've said this every time I look these places up and they're closed. I get sad and I don't know why. Last review on Foursquare, by the way, of this place was 2016. Who knows? Robin on the couch says time with Cody is always nice. Always nice to have him there. She won't say it's not great because it is a lot of preamble, a lot of sort of softening what she's going to say next. But she says it's also fun to sit there and have me time. She calls me time super awesome. Janelle is thinking and frowning, almost making a face of annoyance, but I I don't think that's what it was. She says, Cody's work, but not a lot of work. That's what every man wants to hear. (laughs) I'm not even kidding, actually. I think that's that's a perfectly fair thing to say. She says he's fun to have around, and her demeanor softens and changes to a smile as she looks at Robin and Mary, saying she doesn't know what it is about being home with just her kids a really lovely sentiment from Janelle who tends to emphasize how much she enjoys her time outside of the home and that being a solo parent is is pleasing to her that's nice and it is and it is it can be fun I especially as a dad I enjoy obviously I prefer when my wife is around but when she's not it's fun to be to be the solo parent for a while and get to you know nurture those relationships and show the kids that you know maybe I don't know if this is a gendered societal thing. It isn't for me, although maybe it is just because I'm aware of the expectations or maybe lack of expectations put on father sometimes. Because as a mom, I feel like you tend to have too much expectation put on you sometimes. Or as a dad, sometimes I feel like if I'm even just out in public with my kids by myself, strangers will feel the need to like praise me, which I don't feel is warranted because I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. But anyway, for me, it's just fun to show my kids that like, you look, I'm here and I can take care of you. Mom is vitally important, but but you're just you are just as safe and you are just as cared for when it's just me as it's just your mom. That's something that I really do consciously and I don't know, it's important to me. Robin frowns, saying she can't imagine having a husband around all the time. <laughs> she can now. Yeah, you can't not imagine it. She says it would be kind of weird. I think Having just watched the last couple specials, finally wrapping up season 18, I have to assume it is weirder than she possibly could have imagined. (laughs) Let me put it that way. In the car, they must have been driving for a while because it's dark now and Cody has either a freestanding GPS attached to his windshield or it's his phone. I couldn't tell. I guess it doesn't really matter. But he gets excited seeing he sees the glow on the horizon says, here we go, here we go, Vegas, baby, and he sounds genuinely happy. The producers put in some B-roll of the Las Vegas Strip. Cody says Las Vegas is a huge, and he pauses, Christian population. His face is almost blank as he says this. I think because it's an important point in his mind that he's making. Cody, by the way, has a shirt on that makes him kind of look like a very shiny Grimace from McDonald's. Very, very purple. How much more purple could it be? The answer is none more purple. He says that the Sin City moniker is due to the Strip. I've been to Vegas many, many times, mostly from work. Cody's not wrong. The strip is its own thing. They arrive in Lake Las Vegas. Christine says they've never been there. And Cody says he didn't even know about Lake Las Vegas. This is starting to make me believe that this whole trip was arranged by TLC, which would make a lot of sense. Kids are impressed in the car, looking at the sights as they're rolling onto the grounds. And Christine's jaw drops on the couch as she says that it took her breath away. And it says they aren't dressed nice enough to be there. Cody says they got a good deal. A nice pickle. Uh, He had no idea it was going to be this nice, which Christine continues to agree with. Once more, I think this was code for it was paid for by the network. He continues on this, though, saying it's off-season. Big smile, says it's a really good deal. Christine smiles, too, but she seems a bit uncomfortable as Cody is looking to her for agreement on this. I think that Christine's discomfort was because this is deceptive. I think that this was Cody trying to get Christine's help in establishing to the viewer an alibi, in essence, for why is this family that we've been told has, I don't know, a very rigid financial situation. How are they affording this trip? Because they don't want to sort of break the illusion of the reality TV show, right? By just saying, by the way, the network set us up for this. This is a line that reality TV shows walk a lot, or at least they used to. I don't know if they do as much anymore, but they don't ever want to necessarily directly... But they rarely want to acknowledge that they're on a TV show because that can make people less immersed in the reality aspect. Anyway, the Browns check in to their resort. Cody's holding Baby Truly, who's wearing a pink hoodie and a pacifier in her mouth. Christine is quite impressed with their room, says, holy cow! And Cody has a big beaming smile and Sounds pleased when he says it was a flippin' villa, then he laughs. Flippin' villa, isn't that a Dave Matthews band song? Trippin' Billies, never mind, sorry. That was terrible, even for me. (laughs) I'm gonna leave it in, though. Kids are all flopping down on the beds in their suite, and Christine says that they went ape. Christine says she was giggling constantly and puts a hand to her face and giggles to illustrate just how happy she was with these accommodations. Christine and Cody on the couch, displaying a lot of tie signs. Each one has a hand on the other person. They're almost just like full-on cuddling on this couch. Christine says they needed time away with each other, so they went to Vegas with the kids. Nods and affirmation closes her eyes. In the hotel suite, the Browns get ready to go see Vegas. Christine puts Baby Truly in her stroller in the same pink hoodie. I couldn't tell what she said. Like she runs cold and then I think she said she runs warm, but I don't think I heard that right because she later asked Cody if Truly needs more of a coat. This is the trick with taking babies or tots outside too. It's like, how warm do you need to be? How much do you need? On the couch, Christine says that they wanted to scope out the place as they arrived so late. They go check out the grounds of the hotel and Cody on the couch as they went up to the lake, Lake Las Vegas, and Christine like rolls her eyes back in happiness about this. Cody looks at her smiling and says he knows how to skip stones here, which is not what I thought he was going to say. Cody's in his jeans and his flag of Gondor button-down. There may be a day where the strength of Cody Brown's shirt fails, but it is not this day. He skips some rocks, and honestly, I thought this looked super cool and fun, and I found myself wishing I knew how to do it. Cody kind of patiently instructing Gwen on how to skip stones, and on the couch he's being performatively braggy more than genuinely braggy, you know what I mean he he kind of sarcastically calls himself a pro rock skipper growing up on the farm. Christine I don't think knew how to read this. She gives him a look that kind of looked more confused than anything. Christine being fun but quite serious sounding says she didn't know he was a pro rock skipper. Had she known before they got married it would have been a done deal. And Cody plays along quietly says, "Wow," and looks at the camera. This was a funny and not passive aggressive moment of humor that I really appreciated. By the way, In this episode, Cody and Christine show a real bond and a real fondness for each other. We see Cody skipping more stones with the girls. On the couch, Robin says that Cody is sweet with each one of them when they're all together, then gestures away from herself saying, when he's just with you, the kids get to see that marriage and its strength. She explains with more gestures that it's more clear that they're connected when separate from everyone else. Mary, who had been watching Robin speak, starts to nod an affirmation. Janelle does not react much at all. I, I think this is more Robin credentialing herself as part of the family. By the way, this genuinely shocked me. The camera cuts to a wider shot, and it turns out Cody and Christine were on the couch at the this, this same time. I didn't I didn't realize that. I think some of these shots, they're not. Some of them, they are, but they're dressed the same. I don't know, some some studio trickery, I think. Cody still has his arm around Christine, and only Christine, with everyone on the couch, which just looks a little weird. As he explains, each individual relationship in the marriage needs to be nurtured. I'm sure this is true and probably isn't really all that different from any sort of family with multiple people. Everyone has different needs and you have to balance those needs as best you can. You know, if you're in a monogamous relationship and you have children, for example, or a child, you have to nurture each relationship and you don't want to necessarily sacrifice any one relationship for the good of any one other, right? Which is very easy to say and sometimes very difficult to do. Back at the brown house, we see the outside, including a snowman someone had built with carrots for eyes and a mouth, but no nose. So no carrot nose. No nose at all. Carrots for everything else? I appreciated this. Very iconoclastic snowman craft. Well done, brown children. Inside of Mary's apartment, we see a lit Christmas tree, her hutch with her Precious Moments figurines or whatever the heck those are. I like them. I just wish I knew what they were. Janelle's on the couch in Mary's place with Savannah on her lap. Mary asks excitedly, who wants to go in her car and Dayton and Aurora enthusiastically volunteer? Dayton even jumps up and down. Mary, you can tell in her face she's delighted by this. And it's extra funny because we see Madison sitting at Mary's kitchen peninsula looking very annoyed, eyes downcast, hardcore Eeyore vibes. Just Mary, Janelle, and Robin on the couch, I'm sure of it, this time... (laughs) talking about having some fun while Christine and Cody are gone. Mary even kind of interrupts and completes Robin's thought here about doing so. Mary says, we took us and the kids that were left behind. And she really emphasizes and draws out that word, even moves her head forward toward the camera and raises her eyebrows. This is very definite, very deliberate emphasis. I don't know if this is irritation or more of those. I think I think Mary's just got some mixed feelings. I think Mary knows this is important, but on some level this does bother her. Anyway. She's going to take them bowling. Back at the house, following up on her previous question, Mary asks, who wants to go with Robin? And absolutely, no takers. If you notice, (laughs) because it's easy to miss, Leon is also at the peninsula next to Madison, and their head is tucked down and laughing silently as this happens. Mary, with all the grace and emotional intelligence I've come to expect, loudly says, wow. Very nice, Mary. Dayton, quite sweet, hugs his mom, who seems to be laughing, and at least outwardly, taking this fine. Robin on the couch talks about the complete culture change for her kids entering the Brown family, illustrating her point with her hands, saying they went from a monogamous home with a father, mother, and them, and now a group of 21 with three other mothers and a father that's there. And she pivots a bit and says he has a lot of other people he needs to connect with as well. She does clarify that this is a positive thing. You'll notice they're still talking about this blending and the transition. They, they, they kind of pinball back and forth from, we're blended, we're done, It's the transition's done, we're, we're one cohesive family, and then, they, then they'll just go back to needing to or wanting to acknowledge the difficulty? I don't know, it was weird. Robin quite seriously says, Dayton says all the time how much he loves his family. You see the moms helping kids bowl, including Savannah, who just Chucks her bowling ball and covers her mouth with both hands in anticipation, watching it roll down the aisle. Mary straight up gutter balls. She'll come back, don't worry. Robin on the couch laughs, saying that they love bowling. Big smile from her. On the couch, Janelle starts bagging on Robin for going bumper bowling. Robin raises both pointer fingers upward, unabashed. Lots of crosstalk, though. Janelle talks over her, saying that she should have used bumpers. Mary laughs, and Robin just, like, cackles at this. Robin even tells Mary she tied her score, and Mary playfully says, but you use bumpers, and she says it several times. I don't think Mary's competitiveness would allow this to go uncontested. Robin is unbothered, says with some emphasis, it doesn't matter. Mary sort of just gives up, eventually shakes her head, says if you're over 10, it doesn't count. Y'all, Y'all have the freedom to bowl however you want. You want to use bumpers, use bumpers. Who cares? Back in Vegas, Cody, Christine, and their kids are rolling up to Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Christine says she's always wanted to go and finds it amazing what they can do with wax. I have been to Madame Tussauds in Vegas. It is weird. I liked it, but just just weird. They get a tour and we see the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie figures together, which certainly dates this episode quite a bit at this point in time. Christine says the Brad Pitt one freaked her out, which makes Cody laugh through a closed mouth. They take a group photo with the Elvis mannequin and both Cody and Christine remark that being able to put on a wedding dress to take a photo with the George Clooney mannequin was weird, which I completely agree. That is definitely weird. Gwen even is doing so at one point in the B-roll and she looks absolutely miserable getting her photo taken. I don't know. This is just, I don't know what was going on. Cody still on this point winces, shakes his head, calls it creepy. Christine says, yeah, we're not into that, but they did it. I don't know. I, I don't get it. Cody puts on a weird spooky voice though and says, Wax museums should be a little bit creepy, which, okay, sir, calm down. Christine emphasizes, leaning her head back, that the kids loved it. They loved it, which ultimately is what matters, right? Kind of a hard left turn in topic at this point, as Mary says people are upset that they've brought children into this and she kind of gulps relationship. She sounds like she understands people's point of view that these children had no choice in the matter, but Mary says every child is brought into a family with some parents' ideology. No one has a choice, and hopefully they've raised their kids to choose what they want. Which, as I listened to this, I thought that's a pretty valid point. However, I I, I don't think it's I don't know I don't know if people's concerns about being born into a, like a polygamous family so much as are you just creating a healthy environment. But I see what she means. I don't think she's wrong. Janelle's pretty fired up about this, by the way. She goes and says she's mad, and she even says I'm mad about this. She's frowning in irritation, which is rare for Janelle at this point saying of course they'll raise their kids in their beliefs, it's what they believe, why wouldn't they? Which, is, again, is a logical point to make. Cody on the couch with his arm around Christine, Christine is nodding, gives some furrowed brow side-eye to the camera, emphasizing that they've never pushed their dogma on their children, just presented it to them as a better way. Cody says they raised their kids on the Ten Commandments, you cannot harm another. Then his, his face and his voice kind of soften and he bobs his head and says, on the other hand, you get to choose the life you lead. And he hopes that they choose the one that makes themselves and God happy. I don't know if you come from a place of faith. I don't know how you could say it any better than that. I think that the Browns have backed this up, as it seems. I haven't seen any particular overt evidence of them pushing their kids into polygamy. Certainly none of their kids seemingly will choose polygamy. So there you go. At the resort, Christine is giving baby Truly a bottle as Cody dotes on her, calling her grumpy. Might be having a leap. You got a baby having a leap. They get a little mad. Cody and Christine are alone on the couch. Christine has her hand on his thigh, which is quite intimate, especially for them. He's gesturing very animatedly about eating inside the house, as he puts it, to save some money. Christine sounds a little unsure, but says, yeah, we've got to save some money. So we see them eating in the hotel suite, which is what he meant by inside the house. Looks like they're having continental breakfast stuff that they might have grabbed from the hotel or just bought some toast, individual yogurt containers and fruit. Christine almost apologetic about the spread says there's only a microwave and she doesn't have microwave skills. Cody looking down, smiling at this with a lot of amusement. Christine starts talking not about sharks like I expected and I hoped, but the deadly microwaves. She's very quiet though and she trails off. Cody takes over saying that Christine has no microwave, bro, we know. Christine even shakes her head dismissively as if having a microwave is ridiculous. Cody sounding more patient than he likely feels, is explaining while using the hotel microwave was not an option. Cody does confirm that they had a continental breakfast at the hotel. By the way, I noticed some silk brand milk, so likely, um, you know, lactose intolerance gang, rise up. Don't want to get the farts. Christine animated says that while she doesn't, Robin knows how to make an egg in the microwave. Does anybody else Listening to this, have you ever made an egg in the microwave? That one I cannot say I've done. I've done some pretty crafty, you know, traveling dad. Kids gotta eat stuff, but I've never done that one. Christine has wide eyes. She and Cody are looking right at each other. She sounds kind of animated about this, like I said. But Christine then gets very stern and says she wouldn't serve it to her kids due to the harmful radiation. Cody shakes his head and rolls his eyes at the camera. Cody calls home to talk to Mary. He describes this on the couch, and he sounds a little put out, maybe recounting it, at least in his tone of voice. He's, he's at least sounding a lot more subdued than he did a moment ago. He's outside now. Looks like he might be on a headset or something, because he's holding his phone by his hip and talking to Mary. Asking, so you didn't get that position? Okay, tell me about that. And he sits on the curb outside of the resort and tosses a rock as he kind of gets himself situated. Mary in a confessional says that she had to break the news that she's been declined for a job she was up for. I feel for her on this. That, that never feels good. That's not a good feeling to get close to a position, especially one you really wanted, and just not be the one that clinches it. She says she's been out of work for a while since she was let go from her previous job, and Cody now kind of walking around on a rocky, sandy hill, The sky behind him talking to Mary some more. His head is downcast. Hands are in his pockets, which can denote stress or insecurity, kind of a self-soothing thing, kind of shrinking in on yourself just a bit. Mary says with some sincerity, she had a great job she loved, she was good at, and when they went to New York, and more importantly, went public, she says with emphasis, management pulled her into the office and said they were going to release her from her position. She says they basically fired her, and she does sort of a shrug and like a what can you do kind of face. She sounds subdued and bothered, like like she's not happy. This bothers her, but she's managing it, at least outwardly, as best she can. She sounds troubled, Says because of her lifestyle? You're letting me go? Really? And she does kind of a sarcastic, disappointed laugh that Mary does quite often to this day. Laughter, kind of sarcastic, dismissive laughter, seems to be one of Mary's go-to reactions to things that bother her. It's not a bad thing. Her rate of speech slows, which can denote anxiety. She talks about how much she wants to work with at-risk youth, and that being public may inhibit her chances of doing that. And she shrugs, quite sad, unhappy, downcast mouth. This is this is hard. She does not feel good about this. I get it. That That's the trade-off, right? Of, of going public on a television show or going public in any way is it is inevitable, well, maybe not inevitably, but very likely, depends on for what, right? Going to impact positively and or negatively all kinds of things about your life you know I, I put the disclaimer in front of my podcast not because i came up with it myself but when i mentioned offhandedly to the chair of my department like hey i'm going to do a podcast he said great have fun uh please make sure that you don't imply that the university endorses it so that's what i did and you know i don't think anybody's going to be grumpy with me about doing this podcast but you just you just never know right when you become public and i i i'm not comparing myself to the browns in terms of how public I am, but I'm a lot more public than I was a couple months ago. Let me put it that way. Cody's wandering around, calling what he's standing on the ugliest hill you've ever seen, which, I guess, I've seen worse. He says he's looking at a beautiful scene of Henderson, Nevada, Mary in the confessional, getting fired up, almost shouting, says she's not a bad person, she just has sister wives, and she gets fired for it. She sounds legitimately mad, but she does her her kind of merry laugh and says she's pissed off. Still mad, she says this is why polygamists hide who they are. She shrugs, saying if she'd kept hiding who she was, she would have kept that job. She's controlling her emotions relatively effectively here, but she's got some deep hurt. Cody, Christine, and the kids are on a boat ride on Lake Las Vegas. Cody is narrating that this is their last day of the trip. Cody is steering the boat while sitting next to Christine and Baby Truly. Christine calls this a highlight and that she loved it. Christine says that they wanted to go faster on the boat, but Cody said it's as fast as it goes, and he calls it the golf cart of boats. Here's something else you don't know about me. I don't like heights. In fact, I hate heights, which you probably know if you've listened to the podcast. I'm not big on boats either. I know you're probably thinking like, Adam, what what do you do? Not much. I podcast, okay? (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) And I read. I podcast and I read. I try to smooch on my wife when she feels like it. That's what I do. It's a great life. Don't put me in the water. Don't put me up high. Put me on the ground like God intended. All adults are on the couch again with Janelle saying the kids all grew up as one family. Cody gets loud and animated in agreement, putting on a fake frustrated voice and tone saying, Logan doesn't sit there going, oh, dad's off with Christine and her kids again. That, folks, is going to change. And it's going to change pretty darn soon. Robin doing an acting out of public opinion, asking, how does a father of 16 actually make sure that the kids get what they need? She says that's what they're saying. Janelle says that he has the same 24 hours in a day that any other man does. And Cody, by the way, is watching Janelle very intently. Janelle says he doesn't go disappear into his man cave. Robin tries to interject, saying he doesn't go golfing. Cody says Janelle is sweet, but intently to the camera says he's no perfect father. Now, what they're saying is true. Cody has the same 24 hours in a day as anyone else, but that's not the point. The point is you have to spread then those 24 hours over just many, many, many people with many, many different needs. I'm not against big families. I did not come from a big family. My mother did. My mother has talked to me a lot about inequity, and this is just one example. I'm not talking about anyone else, but in her family, some inequity of who got what attention based upon just how exhausted her parents would be. You know what I mean? And so I don't have that, I certainly don't have as many kids as the Browns, but I have multiple kids and I'm always, I mean, I'm always worried about everything, but I'm especially always worried, like are all my kids getting what they need? Am I taking care of my marriage as well? Am I balancing everything? Now I chose that life. I'm not, I don't want any pity. I don't feel bad for myself. I certainly don't want anyone else to, but you only have so much energy. You only have so much to devote to everybody, and people have different needs. I don't know. I'm not disparaging the Brown family. It just begs the question of at what point do you, as a father in this case, talking about Cody Brown, at what point do you run out of capacity? Because he's a human being. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to that. But I don't think the Browns in this moment on the couch, I don't think they addressed this the way that they probably needed to. I think they were more speaking around it, than speaking about it, if that makes sense. Back at a hotel, Cody and Christine are holding hands on their way to dinner. They walk up to Marsa Steak and Sushi. So I did look this up. They are staying at the Weston Lake Las Vegas Resort. The Marsa Steak and Sushi is still open. Has decent reviews. Not open on Mondays, though. Cody and Christine are beaming, cuddling more. Lots more intimate hand placement. Cody calls it very romantic. And Christine smiles at him pointing out it was just the two of us. That that was very important, this sort of solo time between the two of them. Christine made a, made a specific point to mention that and sort of emphasize that that was a positive for her. Some reflection on their marriage now on the couch. Cody says they've been married nearly 17 years, and he looks up in concentration as he mentally does the math. We see a picture of Cody and Christine with baby Aspen. Christine has always been lovely, by the way. She looks lovely in this old photo. Cody's disparaging of her looks both in the book and certainly as they go forward was uncalled for. It was uncalled for then, it's uncalled for now. Christine is a lovely lady and even if she wasn't, she you know what I mean, even if even if she's not, she deserves respect and shouldn't be have her looks disparaged by her partner. I don't think that's a controversial thing for me to say. Y'all know I don't Pick on the lady's looks, you know. I'll I'll bag on Cody because, frankly, I think he deserves it, and it's funny. But I I try not to be too too cruel. To, I I realize I did refer to him as Cody Brown, the human divorce, and <laughs> it's funny. Come on, that's funny. I'm allowed to be funny, aren't I? I think I am. I hope so. Anyway, Christine just deserves respect. I just it it's it's a bone I have to pick about the way Cody has chosen to. Portray things, among many other things that bother me in recent years, is just the disparaging of people's looks. I think it's a low blow, I think it's unnecessary, and I think it's inaccurate. Anyway, talking more about their marriage, Cody speaks about Christine, and she's almost biting her lip in happiness, smiling at him. And Cody says, out of 17 years of marriage, maybe three were a struggle. Christine, looking at him, says, most of it has been absolute bliss. Talk about a contrast to now. This begs the question. Are they telling the truth then, meaning what we're reviewing right now, or are they telling the truth now, mostly Cody? I think maybe a bit of both. I think some of what they're saying in these old episodes is telling the story and they want to put out to the world and try to manifest it. I think some marriages, some relationships, maybe all at certain points, you're just trying to make it good. Rather than it being good, and you try to make it good until it becomes good again or starts to be good. And I think you can reflect on a relationship where you thought, by and large, you were happy and realize in retrospect that you weren't. Those are all things that happen. Maybe I'll talk about this in greater detail later. I I have a lot to say about Cody's reframing of the past. Christine says in the last year, there's been a lot of struggle. And she laughs, I think, because it's not the easiest thing for her to admit out loud. She shakes her head, rolls her eyes, and says, a lot of changes, a lot of new things happening. Quite a change in their relationship. She says the trip helped them get back together and reconnect, but it isn't fixed permanently, which I think is a very fair way to look at it. Cody says it's an investment. You have to fill the bank account of love. I do agree. You you have to, a lot of times, purposely take the time. You have to make the time if the time doesn't exist. I've said this before, but in a relationship, you have to love someone the way they need more so than the way that is most comfortable or easiest for you. And sometimes that happens really naturally. Sometimes it's a process. Cody, again, talking about the investigation, puts a palm out upright and pantomimes pushing it away. Says they needed to get away from the investigation and all that stuff. He starts stumbling over his words a bit like Cody does when he gets flustered when he's talking about something he's not comfortable with. Cody's smoothness kind of breaks up. He's got some like verbal potholes. He even gets frustrated and pauses to gather himself. I think he's trying to avoid coming across as too angry, by the way. He says it's so morally wrong. And Christine is picking up on this and feeling it touches her neck, I think to self-soothe herself a little bit. Cody's talking about the stress of a threat to your family, which is, is very real. Having some sort of existential or physical or financial threat against your family is so hard to manage. Christine looks visibly upset at this point. Not overly so, but all I mean is you can tell looking at her that she's unhappy. I think she's stressed. I think this is bringing up all those feelings that maybe she had been able to set aside. Christine continues to look kind of conflicted on the couch, starts speaking slowly and pausing between her words, saying there was a time she didn't know of doing this and she looks at Cody now it was a good thing for their family. And Cody backs her up and I thought did the right thing here and validates her saying when the threat is heavy it's hard. And this agreement from Cody seems to embolden Christine. She gets more forward about it. She said that Much more strongly now, she says she's glad they did it. And Cody says they've changed society on some levels, and he looks quite serious with a furrowed brow. His shirt is incredibly purple. His shirt is so purple. I think his favorite band might be Deep Purple. Sorry. Christine continues to elaborate that sharing their family and being public has impacted some people. certainly has me. Look at me, I'm doing a podcast. Talks about strangers coming up and thanking them and supporting them, which I do believe has happened. Cody says it's changed their perspective and opened their minds, and Cody says people tell them, people better leave them alone, and Christine smiles a bit at this. The episode ends with Cody saying they're trying to show family. Interesting. Interesting episode. A lot of closeness, a lot of affection, a lot of bonding, a lot of very fluid, natural-seeming chemistry, I would even say, between Cody and Christine. I wonder how much more we will see as we continue to rewatch this show together, because I don't remember a whole lot of this, but that doesn't mean it's not there, it just means maybe I didn't pick up on it. Maybe it's just standing out in much more contrast because of what I've recently been seeing from the tail end of season 18, and just how vastly different everything is. I don't know, but I'm really excited to find out. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and spending some time with me. It's really important to me. It it really means a lot. I've gotten some really nice emails from people. Some of you are going through crises. Some of you have had some loss in your life recently, and I'm so sorry to hear that. You've said that this podcast was just this tiny little soothing part of your life now. I can't think of a more valuable thing I could be doing with a creative outlet like this than something that makes people feel a little bit better. So, and If it doesn't, And it's just something you have on as noise. I'm good with that too. I'll be your noise. (laughs) I'll be your noise. I should put that on a shirt. A shirt that no one would wear (laughs) except me. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Dr. Adam. I'm the Sister Wives Professor. I'm a teacher. I'm a researcher. I'm a follower of Sister Wives. And like I said, I really hope that this podcast was a tiny, positive part of your day. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. Please be kind to yourself. You deserve kindness, especially when you feel like you don't. That's the time to really be kind to yourself. Okay? Thank you. See you later.